the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and even podcasts like this. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track today. Get yourself 40% off your first year subscription. I'm there every morning. The app is great. I can personalize it so I can see what my teams are doing specifically first. If the Mets are actually going to acquire Chris Bryant from the Cubs and what I think about that. There's just lots going on. Obviously, they're breaking down all the NBA finals, the NFL offseason, the NHL offseason is here now. An expansion draft is coming there. It's a, it's a big time sports offseason time of year. And theathletic.com slash spot track gets you started today. Of course, Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment, providing financial solutions for prospective NFL and NBA draft prospects. There's a loan program built in, helping these players get trained, get acclimated, get properly nutritioned, everything you need to get properly ready to try to make yourself a professional athlete. There's a lot of money that goes into this. Sometimes agents can foot the bill. A lot of times you need not, not only outside help from the money standpoint, but the plan standpoint. You know What's it going to take to get from A to Z? And once you actually get there, are you in shape to handle now million-dollar signing bonuses, things like that? investments, allocations? Do you have your money people all in the right place? It's good to get started early on that so that you have contacts, you have a relationship if and when that big time money does come and you don't blow it all in one spot. MorganStanley.com slash GSE gets you started today. My name is Mike Gennetti. Happy Thursday morning. We're back to the NFL. We're back to the NBA. And uh, Scott Allen's on the back end of this show with some really good financial breakdowns for us. I'm going to give him basically a quick one rundown of notable player and team option players over the next couple of weeks as those deadlines are coming to fruition. Not only are we going to talk about, are they going to opt in, opt out, but what is their market value on our system? What do we think they could get on the open market? What do we think they could do in terms of an extension with their current team? So a real deep dive into some of these players, Kawhi Leonard, Chris Paul, Montrez Harrell, players like that, Spencer Dinwiddie, notable options with the NBA on the back end of this show. But first... Let's get to the NFL. It's been a couple of weeks here. It is franchise tag extension deadline day. Ian Rappaport has been all over this the past couple of days, and the news has not been good if you are currently on a franchise tag. It doesn't sound like, it doesn't appear like any of these currently tagged players are going to be extended. That's Chris Godwin, Marcus May, Taylor Moten, Allen Robinson, Cam Robinson, Brandon Scherf, and Marcus Williams. I would say of all of these, Williams may have the best chance because the Saints could certainly use the free up a little bit more of this year and next year, and they could be controlling. Um, look, the only players that have extended off of their franchise tag, there's three of them out of 10, are players who are on a second franchise tag. Dak Prescott, Leonard Williams, Justin Simmons. So it was a, it was a foregone conclusion that those players were going to be extended because you know, the money on the second tag for most positions are crazy. Now, Simmons probably could have got away with a second tag, but he wasn't going to stand for it. So that's it. That's all we've had in terms of those players being extended. If I go back a few years in 2020, two of 13 tags were extended. In 2019, six of seven were extended. And the list from there is well in favor of the extension. In other words, three to five years ago, if you got a franchise tag, you were still in a pretty good spot to be extended. Okay. Now, obviously the COVID situation, the pandemic situation is here. So I'm not going to say that the franchise tag is broken and that it really is now a one-year tender and, and players should just expect to play on that because we're in a situation now where, and it's funny because we all talk about the cap so much and you know, may, nothing really holds a higher cap than a franchise tag for a lot of these situations. Brandon Sheriff has the highest cap hit for guards right now on his franchise tag. But teams don't appear to care. You know, for all the talk about, man, all these teams are going to have to dump so much cap this year because the cap has gone down 8%. You know, what's everybody going to do? Well, they all did what they had to do. Everybody's cap neutral. You know, the Saints shed $120 million or so this year to get where they are right now. And here we are with six hours to go before the, the extension deadline. And seven of these players are still going to play on these on these high cap franchise tags. So what does that mean? To me, what it means is they'd rather take a high cap hit and restructure elsewhere to be able to fit it than add additional guaranteed money 
to these players in a multi-year extension because our franchise tag is fully guaranteed. It's high cash. You know, Allen Robinson's getting $18 million cash guaranteed and it comes with an $18 million cap hit. But, you know, they don't want to go or maybe he doesn't want to go in that case, 37, 40 million guaranteed in a situation where the financials look like they look right now. It's interesting. And it made me start to think and look a little bit more at how these extensions have played out this year as a whole this offseason. And the numbers are pretty unbelievable. And certainly they're fluid. And, you know, the second I could hang up this podcast, everything could change after a couple of extensions. But as it stands right now, if we just go three years in 2019 throughout the offseason, so December-ish to August-ish, $2.78 billion worth of contract extensions were handed out, total value. Last year, 2020, even in a weird year, $2.74 billion handed out. This year so far, and we're you know a month and a half away, $1.1 billion. That's it. Again, it could change. You know, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, there's plenty to come. Any of these franchise tag players in the next few hours, it's possible. Saquon Barkley. There's a lot of possibilities. Nick Chubb, lots out there. But as of right now, I mean, we are at a third of where we usually are, give or take. So it's not about the cap because many times players are extended to lower their cap hit. And we're not seeing that on a grand level, on a, on a massive quantity level. Teams are not worried about the cap is my overarching point. Teams are not handing out cash right now. Players either are accepting what they have and they're waiting to, for that, the cap situation to improve and the financial situation in the league to improve heavily this year and maybe even more so in two years. Everybody knows that it. it's the elephant in the room. So why do it right now? Okay. Teams are reluctant to hand out future guarantees. There's been a ton of dead cap thrown around over the past couple of years. Either teams trying to rebuild, teams giving up on quarterbacks, wide receivers. That's not going to go away. Okay. Dead cap isn't scaring. Active cap or dead cap, not scaring teams off right now at all. One iota. Okay. Void years are here. There's just so many ways to get around that. It's not scaring any move off from a team. But cash is. And that's probably coming from the top down in a lot of cases. Okay. Cash is cash is a is a hot commodity right now, and owners want to keep it. Owners want to make sure that everything that was happening three years ago in this league, in terms of the basically <laughs> free money being thrown around, is going to come back. Let's get our concessions back in order. Let's get our parking back in order. Let's make sure that the fan experience is as prominent as it was two, three years ago. And that, you know, what just happened over the last 18 to 20 months didn't destroy certain areas of this. Let's make sure everything gets back to that so that we can budget accordingly. And then we can start to hand out $40 million bonuses to, to a couple players on the roster and go back to our frivolous spending ways. But as of right now, over the past year and a half, it's been, let's clutch this thing a little bit. Let's break it down. Let's manage ourselves maybe on a more nickel and dime basis, frugally speaking. And we're certainly seeing that this off season specifically. And again, it's, I think that's a double-edged sword. I think that's teams and owners saying, let's just be a little bit more cautious right now with our cash. And I think it's players saying, why do it right now? If, if this is the approach the ownership's going to take, then you know either I can keep my control and if I have to free agency, I'll do it and find an owner that will pay me. Or B, if this is the place I'm going to be, let's wait until the money's more available. Okay, Let's wait until the league and the teams are in better situations financially. Then I'm going to cash in. And that could be Josh Allen. That could be Lamar Jackson. Okay, there could be. I'm sure from an agent perspective, this is the conversation that's being had with parents and players and things like that. Look, the hundred million's coming. It's going to be fully guaranteed. You know, even if you get injured, Dak Prescott just proved that. You know, that I'm, nothing is scaring off these quarterback contracts right now. So, timing is of everything, and I think the timing is in favor of the players to wait. I really do, and I think agents look. Agents want their money, and they're not wrong. You know, get the get the cash in hand. Get these contracts front loaded. Get yourself out and and doing this again at age 28, 29. Those are all still things that should matter to elite players in this league. But there's just a trend. There's certainly a clamp down effect from a cash and a guarantee standpoint that is real. And it's understandable to some degree. And I understand that a lot of you out there are saying this is the NFL. They, you know, they can print money. Yes. But they weren't prepared 
for what happened last year. And no, really no business was, to be perfectly frank. You know, The NBA kind of figured things out as quickly as possible. They were able to profit pretty well over the past 18 months. And certainly the NFL did as well, being able to push through and have a full season, fanless as, as it was. But I think everybody has not, is now sort of catching their breath. They're getting some compliance situations in order. You know, there's a lot more of that health and safety protocol situation that's gone into it. That's cost money, a lot of money in some cases. So there's a lot of new things that have had to come out of this. And I just think, like I said, that they want to be able to see it like you do with a player who's injured. Like, you know, we're going to be watching Clay Thompson pretty closely when he comes back because we're worried that he's not going to be the same old Clay Thompson. That's sort of what we're looking at here. You know, the, uh, the, the league took a bit of an ACL injury, an Achilles injury. We want to make sure that it's healed, it's proper, and that all those little avenues of revenue that are built into an NFL season are going to come back and then exceed expectations like many think they will. Once that happens, I do think we'll get back to $3 billion extension off seasons and $4 billion free agency off seasons. We're just not there yet. We're not there. And the proof is in the pudding. I've got the numbers here to prove it. It's coming. It's going to come back. But I think the players know it. The agents know it. The teams are conveying that message sort of outwardly. Everybody wants team-friendly discounts right now. That's always been the case. But now they've got this whole pandemic thing to leverage themselves off of. Let's get out of that mess. All right? Let's get this thing back to a little bit of normalcy. Let's let that digital TV money get in here, that digital advertising money get in here. And then we'll all talk about it. And then Josh Allen's $30 million bonus becomes a $50 million bonus. And things can be more front-loaded. And when the cap rises incredibly over the next two years, you know the Bills can do what they've been trying to do under Brandon Bean's re- regime as it is, which is basically bake in two years full of guaranteed with some high cap hits to start, and then uh, a little bit less, a little bit more fluff on the back end. And I'm here to tell you, even those days might be gone, right? The Patrick Mahomes situation is going to be a one and done, in my opinion. I don't see the the you know the non agent of of Lamar Jackson, whoever's consulting him on his contract when he's self-represented and CAA who, who represents Josh Allen. I can't imagine that they're thinking that because that, that's just not where sports are going. Now, now kudos to Mahomes for being completely content and happy. And, and, and Lee Steinberg basically saying, look, let's just make this a career decision. You know what I mean? If we have to figure it out in the middle of this, we'll do it, but let's just sign this lifer and make Kansas city home somewhere that he has embraced him and, and vice versa. And certainly there's a Josh Allen side of that as well here in Buffalo. I can give you a firsthand account of that. But I just don't think that's where sports are going. You know, I just had a, we're going to have a conversation here with the NBA and these player options and these team options, they are sort of the, the fabric of every offseason in the NBA because there are so many decisions. There are so much control on the player side of things that teams don't really know how to react. Like, what is Chris Paul going to do? The Phoenix Suns are in the finals with Chris Paul as their leader. They have no effing idea what he's going to do with a $44 million contract or a contract option next year. Imagine if that was the case with quarterbacks every two to three years. Imagine if, and there was some of that with Tom Brady, but there was, there was just no leaving until age 40. It was just a, a foregone conclusion that he was going to re, re-sign and, and stick it out. Drew Brees, sort of a similar conversation. But imagine if most of the quarterbacks did this to NFL franchises and they signed two years plus an option instead of five years, instead of 10 years, whatever some of these contracts are over the past 10 years. Imagine if it was more truncated, if it was about, I just want to make some money, get out, have some control to be able to stay with you or go elsewhere. Imagine if that was the case. Number one, my job would be great. Number two, sports media would be blowing up on an annual basis because quarterbacks pay the bills. They're the most powerful position in the league, maybe in sports. And if they were constantly churning over new contracts like that, it would be crazy talk. I, I have a feeling that the four-year contract is where we're going. You know, three years of your rookie contract, four-year extension, three of those years actually impactful in terms of guarantees. And we'll see it, what happens again at age 28. To me, that makes the most sense in my head. But, you know, I understand what Mahomes did. And maybe there's a situation where player and agent say, I don't want to deal with that every year. Okay, let's just lock this thing in. I'd rather be here for 10 years, seven full years in terms of practical guarantees, maybe. And that's fine. But player control, front-loaded contracts, cap bursts over the next two years, you know, cash returning, or, you know, a resurrection of cash payments coming out of hands of owners, whereas they're reluctant right now. Everything's in the favor to wait a little bit. 
in my opinion. And I think that's what a lot of teams have done and a lot of agents have said, I'm okay doing this year. Will it happen with the, with these quarterbacks and a couple of these other players, Jamal Adams, a few more of those players? We'll see. But for now, it's significantly less in terms of the overall dollars being spent, cash dollars being spent. All right, let's talk some basketball with Scott Allen. But first, thrilled to have a new partner on board with us. Balance Bridge Funding has been providing cost-friendly capital solutions to professional athletes since 2015. Balance Bridge has dedicated professionals who understand the industry and are ready to customize a repayment plan catered to your client's situation and financial objectives. Borrow wisely and cost-effectively. Avoid broker fees with no prepayment penalties if you decide to pay back early. Whether you are under contract and simply need a bridge against guaranteed earnings, or a free agent looking for work and looking to invest or make a purchase on your earnings from your next contract. For any other reason, financially speaking, let Balance Bridge get a look, provide a solution, and be a resource for you and your client. All right, Scott, good to have you back. You uh, you leave for a few days and I go down a rabbit hole where I'm talking about tennis and golf and <laughs> hockey <laughs> And maybe the most boring, but still pretty decent podcast I've done yet. Um, let's get back to business here. Football and and basketball. I'll I'll, uh, I'll bring the basketball side of this to you. We are God. We're a week away from the draft. We're t- is it two weeks? Two weeks away from the draft, and yep. two, two and a half weeks away from the start of the next league year. Even though <laughs> we're still engrossed in this NBA Finals, uh, I'm going to flip to the off season on you here because we've got some spot track news in that regard. And certainly there's plenty of NBA news in that regard. Rapid fire. I'm putting you on the spot here. I've been valuing, evaluating some players. And what I'm going to start with today is just option players, player option players. All right. No, most notably, of course, Chris Paul, everybody knows at this point that he's got the $44 million plus player option. I think he's battling some sort of injury hand. Something's going on with him right now. And, and oh, by the way, he's thirty. You know, going on 36 years old. We don't really have a precedence for this, Scott. I, I did some quick research on even just 34-year-old plus point guards in the league. The only one I could find with a sort of okay salary is Tony Parker, who made $5 million in that last year of the Spurs run, if you remember when everybody took crazy discounts. Right. Um, Kyle Lowry is like, thir- you know, 30, 30.5 million at, at 33 years old. I guess that's kind of what we're looking at here because both of those players are on similar paths in terms of production right now. But Paul's three years older and he's, I think he's more off, off injured, right? Than Kyle Lowry has been over his career. Uh, 44 million to start with. What, what is your assessment of what's going to happen with Chris Paul here? If I, if I tell you that if, if I take age out of the equation, Scott, Chris Paul is still valuing $39 million in our system. <laughs> yeah. Not surprised by that. I, I think, you know, we talked about this a, a couple of weeks ago. I, I think he ends up opting out to sign the long-term guaranteed money, knowing the injury history. And if you can lock in, you know, even one more year or get two years, you're at least guaranteeing yourself that money as opposed to just playing out the player option. You don't know what could happen. I mean, it could be, you know, you go into next season, you opted in and you're in a Spencer Dinwiddie situation where you're coming off of the injury and you don't know what your services might be, what percentage of health you'll be back at. So I I think depending on um, where his mindset is, opting out and signing a, you know, two, maybe three year deal just to finish off the career with the money that he can get is probably the way he's going to go. It won't be more than three because he's got to stay away from that over 38 rule. Correct. So he's got, it's a max three. So it's a max two new year extension. But I think he might do like a two plus one, you know, to give him that option at the end. Yeah. Look, it's, what's funny is that we've talked about the other players in the Suns roster, you know, Bridges, Aiton, these guys are probably due for contracts right now, but are they waiting? You know, don't don't they don't those agents want to see what's going to happen in a couple of years here with this cap? I mean, it's probably the worst time ever to, to lock in anything. I understand it's fluid, and as the cap goes, the numbers will change. I just think the whole landscape of the NBA could change in two to three years here financially, and I wonder if 
if young players want to wait out, wait and see what's to come versus Chris Paul, he knows. I mean, his body is probably breaking down right now. Let's be perfectly honest with what we're watching in front of us. Um, so if, if the offer is three for 90, is that a no? I, I don't know if it's a no because you are locking up 90, you know, more money <laughs> yeah. than you're going to make just in one year. So I think that's, that's probably on the table, but I'm, I'm sure that he's going to sit down and weigh all options because if he does decline that player option, I he, just he could go to another team and another team could yeah, offer but is more. But that really a know, thing here? I mean, we're in the finals. I know Kawhi just did it, but Kawhi is just his own animal. And, and he is. Chris has been bouncing around for so long now. I, I, I don't even think like the opportunity to play with LeBron is even that attractive anymore. You know what I mean? Like, it, I, I don't know that a super another super team is, is even in his interest right now. So, uh, to me, I think he's found a place where yeah, he really likes. You know, he's too. got the, the 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 coach. He's got the rapport yeah. with the coach. He, he's really gelled with Booker and Aiton and the other young kids around him. You know. He's also made I, so much damn money. Like, like, yeah, what are we yes. talking about here with with two to three million up or down? Now, I realize that I, I just took him from 44 to 30 in my evaluation, but I also took him from 44 to 90 in that valuation. So I, I don't know. It, it's a really tough call. I mean, the second he opts out, if that's what he does, the story is going to be Chris Paul just opted out of $44 million. I mean, that is not something... You know, any normal human being could even comp, you know, comprehend. But let me ask you this: Does winning the finals versus losing the finals change this decision at all? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't either. I, I think it's moot at this point. Uh, the right thing to do, and it's water under the bridge, and maybe it's a cliched point at this point. The right thing to do is to take significantly less than forty-four million on an average annual salary. The, the right thing to do is to take three for ninety, three for 85, three for 92, something around there or, or a two plus one, like you mentioned, and uh, even give Phoenix a little bit more of a break if, if you know, his body really does start to break down uh, rapidly over the next 18 months. I, I think that's the right move, but I'm not going to knock the guy if he opts into 44.2 million. And I don't think anybody in the world will, uh, because it's not like they still can't sign Aiton and Bridges. Those guys have rights. You know, they're going to have to go way over the luxury tax to do it most likely, but uh, in a couple of years, but that's just the, I don't know. Think, think about the now, right? I'm going to have a discussion about the NFL in a bit, Scott. And I don't know why anybody would think about three years down the road anymore in any, in any capacity. If this team can win next year, then who cares if it's, if there's an, a multi-year contract, just worry about 2021, 22 and figure it out after that. That's what the NBA is now anyway. I mean, correct. You know, I, I read a tweet from Andrew Brandt, one of my favorite all-time sports sports uh, accounts, just this morning that basically said he would be terrified to work in an NBA front office right now because every morning he'd wake up wondering if his superstar was on Twitter or on social media destroying the team and trying to get himself off of the roster because that's just what the league is now. It, it could change at any moment, you know? So I'm not going to knock the guy if he opts in. It's just a really interesting conversation. Let's switch gears to maybe even more interesting, Scott. Kawhi Leonard now with a, with a partial tear in the ACL. Timetable is unknown to return. He's got a $36 million player option. I think it was a guaranteed opt-out leading up to this news. Now I'm not so sure. But when, when I started to break down the numbers and I threw it up on Twitter last night, here's the scenarios for Kawhi Leonard, as you probably already know. It's a $36 million option now. Um, if he just says, I'm going to opt out and sign a max extension to stay in Los Angeles, it's four years, 175-ish, could go up. If he, if he opts out and does a one plus one, which is probably good business because of that 2023 cap increase, he'll make about 39 and change next year on his max salary. So again, an increase. If he opts in... Things go well, he returns the health, and then he's offered the max extension after next year. It's $36 million next year, then five years, 246 after that. What is the plan for Kawhi Leonard? Yeah, that's the multi-million dollar question. I, I don't know what the answer is because I don't know how things are in the locker room. Uh, you know, 
coming back from... All right. What's the best business plan then? Mm. I mean, do, do any of these limit him control-wise? Do any? I, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the opt-in and then the extension is going to maximize the, the compensation, in my opinion. But, you know, in, in my opinion, if there's a four-year 175 on the table, why turn it down? Right? Right. I guess the other option is... You opt out, see what other teams potentially offer in, you know, sure. in a sign and trade type thing. Sort of like Kevin Durant had done. He was coming off that injury. But, but it's Brooklyn the same, it's the same compensation, him. right, Scott? It would still be the four for 175 in a sign and trade, right? Right. So is there a team that will take that gamble and and throw that money out if he does opt out in the Durant Brooklyn sure. scenario where they don't care if they lose him for the first year, they want him for year two, three, four. And my guess is they would probably throw in a player option at the end of that four year deal, uh, sort of like Brooklyn did with Irving and Durant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it, it's, it's a, it's a fine line for Kawhi. You know, do you just take the 36 million, stay with the Clippers and then, go into free agency or do you opt out, see if you can get a higher value from the Clippers and then sign like a one plus one, or do you see if there is another team willing to sign like Durant? It's a very fine line because you're, we've seen what the medical history has been with these players now and coming back from these kinds of injuries but with that being said, there's always those complications that you cannot foresee or setbacks that you can't foresee. Um, in so, other words, it makes no sense for him to opt in. With his health situation and with the fact that the, the option is less money, why do it, right? Yeah, that, that's a good point, especially if, like and, I said, and he just did if a you one plus one. He, he, went, he went to free agency and still did a one plus one. You know what I mean? So his track record tells me that's what he's going to do here again. He's going to opt out and do a one plus one. Yeah, especially if he does like the Clippers, at least they buy. It's sort of in the same boat as Chris Paul. You're at least buying yourself an extra guaranteed year, even if you do a one plus one because you have the player option to opt in. It's guaranteed money. So he's, he's putting more control in his hands by doing so and increasing your at least one year money. Um, now, is that Bush but, League? Knowing that he may not be back to like New Year's? Do you know what I mean? Like is is, is opting out and, and getting yourself an extra three and a half million dollars. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about here? Like knowing you're going to miss half I, the season, but you're still going to try to make three million extra here. I mean, I mean, it's just the way the cards fell here. I mean, he has the control. Players have the control. Uh, so it's certainly good business, but I just wonder how that will be characterized across the league if he does that and then sits out for three to four months. <laughs> yeah, but I guess in a, in a sense, if you're looking at from the Clipper standpoint, if you sign him to a one plus one, you at least know you potentially have him for one more year. Yeah, but you and, don't know. That's the thing. Well, you don't, but in the event that, you know, I, we don't know where the, necessarily the cap is going to be. We know it is only going to go up 3% from uh, that base minimum. Yeah. But at least you know you have that extra year. And I guess that it's sort of a, if you want to go down this road, if you lock them up for that extra year, even though it's a player option, you could use that as a trade chip at the trade deadline if you feel okay. you need to move him. I was about to go here anyway. Is this is this a possibility this year? I mean, oh, I think I, I mean, I have think teams seen enough of Kawhi and his injury history now to be completely scared off? You know, I I would not be surprised, especially with the amount of load management, rest, whatever we want to call it at this point, days that he has taken over the last few years. Yeah. I, I would not be surprised. Um, and like we said, these high salaries, they're, they're movable no matter what sure. at this point. So the, regardless of if he opts in at the 36 or opts out, signs a 39 plus a, a player option, he's still movable to a certain extent. Uh, teams would probably take a chance 
I don't know how many teams would take a chance, but there's always that one or two that that will take that chance, especially if you throw some picks on it, um, if it's a salary dump, if we get to that point. It's really fascinating. He would have to opt in in order to be traded this offseason, correct? Or extend, obviously. He, right. As soon as he opts in, he can be traded immediately after he opts in. If he opts out, he's considered a free agent, and sure. he cannot be traded unless he does a sign and trade. All right. Little, uh, little less known names. Still pretty productive, though. I got three for you here, Scott. Let's start with Spencer Dinwiddie. Speaking of injuries. Um, yeah. Kid had real potential. He was really showing at least second line production. I think he's going to go to try to and find himself a starting five role this year and starting five money this year. His option was 12.3. He's already opted out for all intents. I've seen a bunch of projections on him and there's a lot of factors in play in turn and, you know, including that injury history. Scott, I have him over 16 million. I've got him about four for 64 on a free agent contract right now, because look, Teams are going to overpay this free agency and teams are going to overpay for, for guys like this because it's just not a good market. There's not many names out there. He's one of the more productive names to hit this free agent market list. So is that a crazy number? And, and, and what kind of team is looking for him? Is this a, a bottom of the barrel team that's looking to really get some, some experienced veterans in there? Maybe in Orlando, maybe a Detroit, something like that. Yeah, I think so. And I, I don't think you're the valuation that you're saying is crazy. I, in my mind, I had him between 15 and 17. So you're right in the middle there. So I think that's about right for what he could get in free agency. But I agree. It's probably a team that could use him as having the experience, adding uh, some depth as long as he can stay healthy you're, you're, you're probably spot on with like a Detroit or a, uh, I I guess to a certain extent in Orlando, depending on where Fultz comes back in. And a lot's going to depend on how the draft plays out too. Um, because the draft is three days before free agency this year. Whereas in the past, it's usually about a week, a week and a half before free agency. So things are going to go bang, bang from the draft into free agency. I'm sure in the back, back channels, things have been talked about between teams and agents, you know, think those things happen. Um, but Dinwiddie with what he has done in the past, he is going to garner some kind of offer. And you're probably about right. Probably four for 64 ish. And it's, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes up to 70 because someone does overpay because of how the market is. Yeah. In terms of the draft, you're right. It's a little bit against his favor because the top three picks are likely going to be guards. You know, Suggs is a little bit more of a guard forward, a bigger guy, but Jalen Green, Kate Cunningham, that's going to be franchise changing, you know, guards being added three days before this, this league year opens. So, you know, Houston, Cleveland, those kind of teams may be out on, on him, but there, there's going to be plenty of options for Dinwiddie. And, and I do think that number seems about right. Norman Powell, probably not a name that's going to get a lot of run this off season in terms of like the, you know, the big media, but he could be very, very important if Portland does a, you know, a, a Dame trade or a CJ trade. Now Powell is a legitimate, you know, starting five backcourt player in Portland, and he's going to need to be paid as such. I've got him at 19 million, Scott. Seems about right. Yeah, he's opting out for sure here, right? Oh, yes. I, I mean, he's I reading the tea leaves like out. the rest of us oh, are here. He's, <laughs> yes. he's going to get either, either a big-time role in Portland, or he's going to go find a big role somewhere else and be, you know, probably the best shooting small forward on the open market. Yeah, this is a team. I mean, we've had the conversations of do you move McCollum? What do you do with Nurkic? Uh, you know, pa- Powell, they remember they traded for him at the trade deadline. So they they took on his contract, knowing he had the player option, hoping that we bring him in, we get his rights. But in the event that he wants to go somewhere else, if he if he can get the 20, that sign and trade, you could potentially bring back, you know, a nice piece. Maybe if you want to go that route, um, you know, they're not really in a, a, a rebuild mode with picks, I don't think yet. 
So I don't know if they necessarily care about the picks. I think right now, if you're moving forward with Lillard and let's say McCollum is still on the roster, then, you know, you can potentially garner an, a player asset back for that. But if, uh, if you think you way to go, then, then, you sign him, and then if you yeah. have to flip him at the trade deadline, then you go that way. Yeah, round. it'd be crazy for them not to at least give him the contract. I just think uh, it, what they may be negotiating versus what an open market would negotiate for him would be are going to be two very, very different things until they move on from one of those major players in Portland, and then Powell has a, has a more defined role. Uh, so I, I wonder if Powell lets this thing get to free agency so that he can go and find himself you know, a true valuation on the open market and then come back to Portland and say, this is what I'm going to get. This is the kind of playing time they're promising me. You know what I mean? I need that here. I want that here. If not, I'm out. And I think that's right. I think that's the right way to go. I would not extend with Portland early before I'd get to the open market if I'm Norman Powell. Um, Montrez Harrell, Scott, kind of underutilized, especially in the postseason with the, with the Lakers. I don't know if that fit exists anymore. I think there there were better years. I think there's still better years to come for this player. Uh, he took a crazy small, you know, contract to join on and be sort of the, the key cog in the wheel over there. He's got a $9.7 million option. That's a, a no brainer. No for me. And here's why. And, and this one really surprised me. I've got him valued over $15 million a year. He, three for 45 uh, on a brand new contract on the open market. Is that about right? And am I, am I correct in my Lakers assessment here? Yeah, I, I think you're probably pretty close to what he could get. You know, r- remember, he signed with the Lakers using the, the non-taxpayer exactly. level exception. So he he was probably undervalued because there there wasn't enough space for him to sign in, in other areas. And if you go to the Lakers and you show what you can do with LeBron and AD around you, you know, you're only going to make your value potentially go up. So – I think you're probably about right. Again, this is another guy that if he does opt out, which I'm assuming he does, mm-hmm. and he does sign for let's let's say anywhere between 15, you know, 12 to 15, 15 to 17, somewhere in there, you know, again, if they if they want to go the route of the sign and trade, the Lakers could get some players back because the, they're going to have to go the route of signing minimums, signing via their mid-level exception, sign and trade. They're going to have to do some massaging of their roster because they they only have right now, including Harrell, seven. You take away him, they're down to six players, and we're projecting them as having negative cap space already. So they're going to have to do from a roster construction standpoint some uh, interesting – I got a team for him. Maneuvers. I got a team for both he and the Lakers in a sign and trade. It's they've got a surplus of point guards, which certainly the Lakers need right now. Any guesses? Fringe playoff team. Mm. I Dra- don't know. Drafted a pretty high profile point guard last year. <laughs> After acquiring one via sign and trade. Uh you got me. Charlotte. Oh, yes. Charlotte could use some size. Their power forward situation is kind of dire at this point. I think Harold, with his experience, is a really nice fit for that squad. You know, Terry Rogier, Lamella Ball, Devontae Graham, that's just a surplus right there. It's a good problem to have, but I think you can really get something from the Lakers here and make this kind of move. So that's, that's a, to me, an immediate relationship that could build right there. Uh, Bobby Portis, he's having kind of a weird playoffs. He's hit and miss. He's been hit, hit and miss his whole life. He's not worth... 3.8 million. I'll tell you that right now. Um, no, again, that's a guy that signed with a biannual. Exactly. Bus, he was so. a, he was a late piece to their puzzle and he's been a good piece to Milwaukee, but Mo, he doesn't, Milwaukee doesn't have rights. There's no bird rights with this guy. It's, it's so all they can do is basically offer him like four to $5 million next year. I'm going to tell you right now, Scott, that's not even close to enough. I've got him over 10, just over 10 million per year on a new contract, Bobby Portis. Somebody's going to take that. I think. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, even if team, he's your fourth or fifth option, $10 million is the right price for that. I mean, we're in a league that's going to pay 50 soon. Well, that and 
you're getting a player, depending on where this series ends up going now that it's even, you know, you're getting a player that has playoff experience, deep playoff experience, finals experience. So if you're looking to add depth, Bobby Portis is a guy that you could bring in as a sort of big man to fill in with that depth. Yeah, I like it a lot. All right, that's probably enough there. We'll put a full list out soon. We're going to have Keith write up a quick quick piece on these option players and, and give his thoughts because while we have some educated takes here, Keith will have the most educated takes on how these options will, uh, will, will bear out. Here's a couple of club options, Scott. Rapid fire. I'll give you the name. I'll give you the option price. These are team options. Yes or no, okay? Goran Dragic, Miami, 18.4. Decline. Yeah. Andre Iguodala, Miami, 15. Decline. Yeah, no-brainers. Man, that's going to free yep. up some significant capital over there. Oh, here's an interesting one for you. Mitchell Robinson, Knicks, 1.8. Decline. I think you have to opt in on that one, unless they can find like the center of their future there. You know, if if they, if they're going to add three pieces and really try to go and make a contention push, then maybe you move on from him. Um, I like the player a lot, but the injuries have there's been two you know injuries now in basically three years. Um, what do they do with Julius Randle and that partial guarantee and all that good stuff? They have they seen enough? I think they've seen close to enough. I think uh, to start, you know, you do a good faith for what he did last year. You guarantee the rest of that salary and see where it goes during the season. If, and if you like where you're going, yep. then, you know, you, you move forward with Randall and put pieces around him to complete the puzzle. Um, but I think he has done close to enough to do you garner... keep him where he is and just fully guarantee it, or do you actually give him that big deal? Um, I'm kind of in the boat of slow playing it for one more year. I, I I think I am too. For the fact that the Knicks have been slow playing their roster, giving one year deals with play uh, with club options, right. and if they want to exercise or not, they've sort of played a pretty good game. Uh, with roster construction, Sta which staggering has been, team building, which we've talked about a lot. And I think they should continue which, that rather than go all in this off season, which some people are saying they should do, you know? Right. And in, in years before they hadn't, they were just throwing darts at a wall, trying yeah. to get whoever they could, hoping that they were going to get this large, great free agent player. And, and it hasn't happened maybe with, the new regime in there and the new construction of that roster, they're sort of slowly showing the rest of the league what they're sort of doing and saying the New York Knicks are a team that you do want to come to and look at the pieces that we've put around and that we can put around. I'll, uh, you know, the easiest one to say is Zion and him saying, I, I love playing in yeah. Madison Square Garden and, and all that. So, well, that's the team that I would start said, with. I, I think the one move that they should make, and maybe it's the only major move they, they should make this offseason, Scott, is to acquire Alonzo Ball. I think that's what the Knicks should do. I think it makes a ton of sense in every in every regard, e even to the point of where there's a history with with Randall, right? I mean, they played together. I I, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, and, and and keep in mind this this off season they have a lot of cap space. There, yeah. I mean, we're projecting them to be somewhere between fifty one and seventy three million dollars of of cap space, depending on how they uh, maneuver some of their roster and cap holds and, and that kind of stuff. They could they can throw picks into those, but because they have cap space, they can acquire players Offer without sheets. having to do the matching yeah, salaries. Yeah, that's so what I mean. They can they, be the Hawks this year. They can do a little of everything. They, they right. can sign a player. Yes. They can make an offer sheet on a player. They can acquire players via trade. They have flexibility to do whatever they want. I just don't think it's an all-in offseason for them, but you're right. They have the capital. They have the assets to do it, and now they have a little bit of clout, too, having done what they did last year with Randall at, at the helm. So... I think they, I think they slow play Randall's contract is the point here because there are other other mouths to feed here. Right, and this year it shouldn't be an all-in year because they don't have 
all of the pieces to to go all in. It's sort of like in the NFL. You, you don't want to have a quarterback where your offensive line is so bad that your quarterback is going to get destroyed like we've talked about. Well, you and also, make sure Scott, you, you're right, but, but it's also about the conference. You know, you're looking at Philly, and, and maybe Philly takes a step back, but Brooklyn will not. Milwaukee will not. You know what I mean? Like, there are at least three to four teams at the top of the East right now that you just don't have... You don't have the resources to get to right now. And if you don't think you can do that this offseason, then you're right. Then slow play it. Then make it a two-part a two-part offseason build and do a little bit this year and a little bit next year. Let those Brooklyn players get older, maybe even opt out. I mean, they're going to be on options, most of those players after this year. And yes. there may be greener grass for some of those guys. So it, it from a conference standpoint, from a contention standpoint, it doesn't make sense for them to go all in this offseason. Right. And keep in mind the the options that are for the 22-23 season, Barrett, Toppin, Quickly, those guys have club options, but those get exercised a year ahead of time. Sure. So those options will be getting exercised this offseason. So you're, you'll be locking those in or if they decline, then they'll become yeah. free agents. But if you lock those guys in, those are potential trade pieces where there are salary is already guaranteed in there for the future. If you wanted to move some of those guys or right now, they have a lot of flexibility between right now and next year with what they want to do. I agree. They should slow play it in a two parter just to see what they can bring in this year. How does it gel yep. with because Thibodeau ain't easy. <laughs> Tip it away for everybody. <laughs> and we, again, we don't know what the outlook is of the cap moving forward. You know, we, we know that it's, that they're slow playing it, but do we get to a point where it, it does a jump between this year and next year more so in their projections? Uh, what, what does happen with the new CBA when we get to that point? Mm-hmm. So, TV money and all of that, you know, there, there's, there's so many variables in play that could, you know, help the Knicks depending on where things go in the next few years that I think they're doing the right thing with having slow played. And I think they still need to sort of slow play and see and massage where their roster needs to go. But if the right deal is there for the right player and they feel they need to jump all in sort of like, like you alluded to, the Atlanta Hawks, they they jumped in and got deep into the playoffs because they felt that they were sort of ready, maybe a year away. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the Knicks are definitely in that that space right now. OK, real quick. Uh, we've launched a new tool. It's been a long time coming. It's probably long time is an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> it's certainly still in beta mode, but our NBA yes. roster manager, our GM tool for the NBA is here. Uh, it will be launched today alongside this podcast. When you go to see your uh, favorite team's 21-22 cap, there'll be a button that's up there called manage this roster. Click on that and you'll be able to do a variety of things to the current active roster, the real-time roster for any of these teams. You can decline or, or exercise some of these options. You can buy out players. You can process releases. You can renounce cap holds. You can sign free agents. You can use exceptions. You can process trades. We have a whole trade tool built into this with matching salaries and trade restrictions and all the, hopefully all the rules and restrictions that are built into the actual ridiculousness that is the NBA financial world. But uh, it's been a long time coming. Scott's done a ton of work on this. Keith has done some cons- consultation work on it. It's here. It's live. Please use it. Please give us feedback. Tell us what can be better. Um, it, it, you know, it's similar to what we've done with the NFL over the past. But like I said, there's a lot more that goes into the NBA side of it. So have fun trying to uh, build your team for the next couple of weeks here as the real 2022 league year kicks in soon. Scott, anything else to say on this that I forgot? The, the values update in real time. So when we were talking about the Brooklyn Nets a few weeks ago with how much their luxury tax could be, that's what I was using to see the value of, you know, if they sign this guy, they do sure. this. What is their luxury tax? And as you make your moves, it'll auto update your cap. It'll say if you're hard capped, if you do a sign in trade, so you can only go up to a certain amount. Uh, it'll show your luxury tax amount, how much you might have to pay in addition to what your cap is there. But you're right. It, it, everything is in there. You can renounce your cap holds. You can 
sign your draft pick. You can um, do you can do a sign and trade from your cap holds if you wanted to go that route to acquire somebody like we've been talking about. So it, it's a two way street and have fun and let us know what you think. Sure. Um, I, I, like Micah said, I, I've put a lot of time into this. This is like version two or three because I've had to rebuild it a few times to get it to where it needed to be. And uh, hit us up at SpaTrack yeah. and it's a, or it's email a complicated us. process. There's a lot you may not even understand. <laughs> and if you have questions on why things are doing what they're doing, at SpaTrack for sure, we will answer these things. It's a it's it's an education for sure. Not, you know, not, I mean, certainly we have <laughs> an upper hand on how some of this stuff works. And even if we knew know how it works, building it into a system like this was no easy task because you're trying to make it user-friendly and also try to educate and also make the numbers work out properly, of course. So we, we're there. We're at least at a at a good foundational point with it, but we know it can be better. So uh, let us know how. That's Patrick on Twitter. Scott, good stuff. Thanks. Thanks. Have a good one. All right. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash track for 40% off your first year subscription. And of course, Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment. Visit morganstanley.com slash GSE to learn more today. And to our new partners, Balanced Bridge Funding, providing cost-friendly capital solutions to professional athletes for almost 10 years. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast. Oh, 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 o